Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for, and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I, of course, cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners, and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions, because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Happy weekend, everybody. Thank you for joining. Beautiful morning out there this morning. Um, we have a great show lined up for you today. We have a great um, guest that we're excited about who is, I believe it's your first time on the show, right, Mark? It is with me anyway yes yes years ago um with my father yes Yes. and maybe sharon i bet sharon brought you on the show at some point he did that's how i was first introduced to mcnamara on monday yeah Yeah. awesome well thanks for being here um that's mark styles with styles and associates right here in marshfield also um we're going to be talking today we have a lot of sort of real estate and home ownership related things to chat about today. Um, I called today, my, my thought for today was how to own, uh, protect and bequest your largest asset, which for most people is their home. Having said that, that's not the case for everyone, but let's just say one of your largest assets, uh, probably. Um, and so we're going to be talking about, you know, all things sort of related to that. Mark is a real estate attorney. Um, I'll give you a moment here in a second, Mark, to introduce yourself and your firm. We will take questions this morning, 781-837-4900, if you're listening here on the South Shore and have any questions for us. Um, also joined this morning by my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed. Good morning. Good morning. Your video is fuzzy. I don't know if you want to clean off that video screen, or I don't know if it's because of the lighting behind you. It's always the uh, light. The light always comes no. in the window there, and I, yeah. I try to 
change it a little bit, but it's tough to get away yeah, from Yeah, we need to get you a mobile green screen to put behind you. And I probably should do that at home, too, so that we... Would it Would it also take off 10 or 30 pounds? <laughs> no, I don't mm. think they do that. <clears throat> But they hide things in the background. For example, like your drum set that's here in our home office. <laughs> okay. Your chief wahoo on the wall there. <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't show that these days. That'll make yeah. yeah. Okay, so um, again, we have Mark Styles with Styles and Associates, uh, a law firm right here in Marshfield, right down the street from our main office. Thank you for joining us. Mark actually invited me on his show several weeks ago, the Dr. Joe Show, um, and of course, I've, I've actually been meaning to have you on the show for a long time, but of course, was the perfect opportunity to reciprocate. Um, so we're happy to have you, Mark. Good morning again. And do you want to just take a moment? I didn't like read through your whole website to do an intro. <laughs> so I thought you could do that yourself. Yeah. Um, you want to just give a, you know, maybe a little bit of a background and introduce you and your firm. That'd be great. Yeah. Ha- happy to. And, and thank you for having me on this show. It's an amazing show. And I was on it a bunch of years ago yeah. um, with your father and, and Sharon a few times. And it's, I, I do want to congratulate you on what an amazing job you have done over this COVID period. I tune in Saturday mornings. I'm a sponsor for ATD. So I like to listen to the demographics and hear what people are doing. And I catch your show all the time. And during this pandemic, when people were so anxious and so nervous about what to do with their money and the panic that was around. You were such a calming voice, the both of you with your show and allowing people to air their concerns, but at the same time, calm and temper and, and be that voice of no, we're, it, the market's not going to go to zero. Yeah. The market will come back. So be patient. It's not what you want to hear. It's not that you want to open your envelopes right now, but be patient. And look, it did, you know, it did and then some. Yeah. Uh, Who am I? Thank you for saying that. Yes. Well, it's, 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 it's genuine. It was, I was really impressed with how you, you know, because people, people needed reassurance during that time. And there wasn't a lot of places to get it. Certainly not the TV news. Yeah. Um, and and shows like yours specifically, was, was, it was it was very important. It was very important during those those months. Well, and thank you for saying that. And um, you know, ninety nine percent of our role as financial advisors in market downturns is just like being that calming, reassuring voice, and literally just hold, well, we couldn't hold people's hands this year, but. Um, figuratively speaking, holding people's hands um, and just kind of being there for them and letting them know that everything will be okay. I think people just want to hear that. People either want to hear that or they want to hear that there's some solution that I haven't made them aware of yet. It's going to make everything all better, right? What can we do with my money to make it all better? And I think they kind of know that there's not that solution. And, and you know, we, we train our clients and we talk to them a lot about what to expect and what to do and not to do and stuff. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's our role in, in periods of downturn and it can be hard and stressful and, and all that for us as well. But and what's more important is that we're helping people do the right thing and not make mistakes with their money that really some people make mistakes with their money in times like that, that they can't, that they can't, you know, that they don't have time to recover from. Right. And so, yeah, the, yeah, Mark, the, thank the, you. as you said, the, the news is not your friend uh, no. like when it comes to this stuff. I mean, if it's, if, if, if the market's doing well, it's doing too well. <laughs> if the market's not doing well, it's going to zero. You know, it's, it's right. always, it's always the negative. It's always the bad. And 
does not work to your best interest. No, no. And you, you, you all did a really good job, you know, basically convincing people not to pull out of the market. Right. Because that's yeah. the work. That's what I think you're alluding to, Alyssa, is that, you know, you pull out of the market, you just lost 10 years. Yeah. You know, um, but anyway, you asked me to introduce myself. Yeah. I, <laughs> like, we could spend another 60 minutes on what not to do in market downturns. Right. But we'll have that opportunity again one day soon. I hope not yeah. too soon. Yeah. Not too maybe, soon. Yeah, maybe not soon, but one day in the future. Yeah. So I am Mark Styles of we, we rebranded. We're Styles Law. We're Styles Law now. Rebrand your website, Mark. I know. I know. <laughs> the, the website is on the list. There is a long list of, of things that need to get done, and that's one of them. But okay. uh, it's funny. If you go to our website, we, we, we've been doing virtual um, meetings with people for a long time. So our first page is a virtual meeting back from like seven years ago. And lo and behold, we, we kind of saw the future with that. But um, I've been practicing for 25 years, primarily in the field of real estate, where we represent buyers, sellers, investors, developers, and lenders. We yeah. have uh, relationships with professional real estate agents, mortgage loan officers. We have a team of attorneys uh, that work uh, in unison together with the transactions coordinator. So we deliver five-star client services to our buyers, sellers, lenders, but we also have ancillary uh, teams that handle estate planning, business development and representation, commercial real estate and other various um, facets. So it's not just me, although I'm the one who has the YouTube videos of the FAQs and all of the the face of it, but there is a large organization behind me of amazing people that make it all work and deliver that that five star client satisfied type of service to those yeah. the white gloves, if you will. Mark, not uh, hopefully I'm not cutting off too short, but we actually have a caller. Um, so if we can go to a caller, we have John in Marshfield. Uh, John, are you still there? Yes. Good morning. Yeah. <clears throat> hey, hi. I just wanted to ask Mark a question. Um, are you there, Mark? I am. Oh, hi. Hey, um, on a uh, real estate transaction, <laughs> which you've heard of before, um, uh, property with a um, the house that needs total rehab, and also with the property, there's an additional two-acre parcel of land that isn't contiguous to the, the home. So um, entered into an agreement um, to buy everything um, with very few contingencies, basically just uh, really a home sale contingency, but it's on a property that will sell immediately. But um, okay, so you know, a few days later, get an email from the attorney saying, um, well, you know, even though that uh, extra parcel is a uh, um, is considered residentially developable land by the town and is assessed at almost 400,000, you know, about six grand in taxes. You know, um, we're, we're not certain that it's buildable and how do we know it's buildable and da, 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 da. So they want to restructure the offer because of that. Um, uh, I mean, it, it was a subdivision laid out in 1915 so I assume it's a residential lot of record. 
Um, uh, you know, any input on that, that uh, what you'd suggest as far as what actually deems this property buildable or not buildable in the bank's eyes, I guess. Well, you're, you're stepping into a, a, a very uncomfortable zone here. Um, yeah. As a lawyer, I, I don't want to be delivering legal advice over the radio for something that I really don't have a lot of facts on. So what yeah. I would suggest if we were talking about, John, if we were talking about a hypothetical situation where somebody was going to purchase, and I think, Alyssa, I think we're going to get into this in a minute, and it might be a nice segue. Okay. But as you're getting into the dynamics of the agreement, you want to have certain contingencies. Again, in your hypothetical that you're talking about, uh, this fact pattern seems as though that a contract was already signed. So needing more facts, we would want to know if there was a contingency to build a single family home, right? So when you see land, folks, and, and that land looks like it's buildable, it may or may not be buildable. So what we always suggest is to make a purchase subject to get, getting all of the proper entitlements and permits available to do what you want to do, right? So if if you see a, a parcel of land and you want to build a 16-unit condominium, well, you want to buy this only if you can build a 16-unit condominium. So you would want to put in your offer subject to gaining all of the necessary approvals from state and mun local municipalities to build a 16-unit condominium and have permits in hand prior to closing. So where, where your situation, your hypothetical lay, I would obviously need a significant amount of facts and documents to analyze it. And I don't want to, you know, guess and speculate based on, you know, the information that you're giving here. But what I will say to the, the listening audience is, is contingencies are very important because it's, it's the meeting of the mind. It's where you are agreeing to buy something for value, but what are you buying? You want to make sure you're buying exactly what you think you're buying, as opposed to finding out after closing that you can't do something that you thought you could do. Does that help, John? Um, somewhat. I mean, this is just a clear, it was bought as a house to rehab, and, and, and it, with it, there was an additional two-acre parcel. Um, not and there was no contingency contingency about being able to build on it blah 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 because it's um the field record or the the town assessor's record i should say uh, does consider it residential developable land and it was as i said in 1915 the subdivision was laid out so it's considered a residential lot of record um, well, there's a lot. I, I just want to interrupt you. There's a lot to what is deemed a residential lot of record. And there's a there's legal opinion by town council that's required there as well. So, right. uh, yeah. you know, John, I'm just wondering, John, this is Alyssa. I just was wondering if this is this sounds like something super detailed that might be more appropriate for a one on one conversation. With yeah, her. no, no problem. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll let you guys go. Um, uh, you know, I just wanted to really just, he gave me pretty much what I wanted to uh, get. I mean, um, I'm John, we call could, his we, office. Yeah, the best way to reach me actually is 
online with our Calendly scheduling. Yeah. So it's calendly.com backslash M styles. If you go to that, it's a scheduler where I've already blocked off all of the time. So at right. any point in time, we can do a strategy, 15 minute free, no con, no, no fee, no commitment, have a conversation. And I've already blocked the time off. So it's you pick the time as opposed to going back and forth with voicemails and reception. You know, you go right into the scheduler. It's Calendly. And that's for everybody who's listening, by the way. Calendly.com backslash M styles and, and pick a 15 minute strategy introduction call and and we'll see if it makes sense to work together and, and make an introduction to the rest of the team. John, I wish you the best of luck. Thank you. Yeah, good luck. Thanks for the call, John. Thank Sorry, you. we couldn't okay. be super detailed on that. Take care. Yeah, that one's... Uh, it, it was funny that that was the first caller of the day because I was like, oh boy, I hope Mark's awake. We're getting right into it. <laughs> got my coffee, got my coffee. But he brings up an interesting uh, conversation that you know I don't think I've ever heard anyone talk about on the radio, which is the residential lot of record. And that's a oh. that's the yeah. grant a grandfathered... So he's referring to something that is grandfathered rights, rights that precede the zoning laws. So in yeah. most towns... Uh, that zoning was enacted in the early 50s, late 40s. So if a if a lot was the way it was, it had rights prior to that, but it requires a lot of detail and a lot of legal opinion. So it's so if someone thinks that there's a residential lot of record, um, you definitely want to do your research and make sure. Yeah. Well, that was a good segue. One of the first things I wanted to chat about this morning, Mark, was just like what's going on right now in the real estate market, which I understand is still quite bonkers in terms of how quickly, you know, how many offers and, you know, how low the inventory is, how quickly things are um, moving. And um, I just wanted to, I'm assuming it's still that way, right? We had Sharon on the show a couple of months ago and it was just crazy. Some of the stuff yeah. we're talking about. Yeah, so so let's dial it back to Econ 101, right? We have a, a massive imbalance of supply and demand. Yeah. And it's an unhealthy market, frankly. Uh, it's getting healthier as the okay. sun comes out and the green shoots and, yeah. you know, the lawns get cleaned up. You know, it's the natural time for people to bring their homes onto the market, even though everyone in the profession was begging them in November, December, January, just bring it on. You'll be able to sell it. Yeah. It's something psychological about the fact that people don't want to present their house. Oh, in, absolutely. In the winter. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. They want to be proud of it. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and that's great. But um, what it did is it created this, this really unhealthy balance. We had... Uh, way, way more buyers than sellers. Yeah. And when that happens, you have a bidding war. And yeah. last, up till about last week, and this week I think is going to kind of be the pinnacle of where we start to move into more of a healthier environment. This weekend is going to be an interesting weekend for sure. Um, but it's an auction type of environment. You know, and it's intoxicating and people are people are doing things that they wouldn't otherwise do because they're fatiguing. Right. So they've they've made offers on four or five different houses. They really want it as opposed to slow and steady wins the race. Let's be patient. Let's you know, let's find that perfect house. Do we need to move this second? I don't know. But if we do, we need to put our best foot forward because 
there's a lot of competition for each one of those houses that are out there. Yeah. Now, that all being said, this week, uh, there's a, not a flood, but there's a trickling of new inventory that's rolling in. So I'm hoping that that balances out that supply and demand a little bit more. Yeah. And then that will create a little bit more, a little bit more, and then we'll have a healthy, you know, by mid-May, you know, a healthier marketplace where people aren't forced to waive contingencies yeah. where they I mean, shouldn't be. You know, we've re- we've had low interest rates like for a while, yeah. like, like years and years and years and years, not quite as low as they got, you know, in the last six to nine months, I guess. But is it, is it mostly related to the flea from the city and the suburbs just going crazy? Like I couldn't figure out why, I know we have low interest rates, but why is it it's so a, crazy? You know, it, it's a gr- it's a great question. There's a contagion kind of factor to it as well, right? So, you know, you start to see, you know, Kirk, we started talking about the news, you know, when the news talks about the market, it's way bigger. You start to talk about this and people are like, well, I'm ready to move. Yeah. What, I, what I've been saying since the beginning of COVID, right when it hit is, you know, people are going to want to, people are going to move to where they want to be, not where they yeah. need to be, yeah. right? So if they're in certain areas because it's convenient to work and they say, well, I'd rather be near the water or I'd rather be over here because we can do this Zoom. I only have to go into the office once a week. You know, is it is it a flea from the city? There's a, there's a lot to that. There's yeah. certainly a, a, a desire to get away from congestion, right? COVID kind of made everybody aware, like, mm, maybe I don't want to be in an elevator with with 12 people every day. Um, maybe I don't need to be 10 minutes outside of the city so that I can get into the office in an hour, right? Maybe I can now go an hour outside of the office and go in once a week and traffic isn't as, as amazing. But um, interest rates absolutely have a a huge factor in it. But, you know, what, you know, we talk about sometimes with folks is, you know, even though the interest rate is, you know, whatever, call it three and a half. If you're paying $100,000 over, you know, does the interest rate really matter at that point? Right. And, and again, so we talk about, you know, these, these over asking so that, so I think you're kind of segueing into this too, is that with that auction type atmosphere, people are putting a house on for five ninety nine and it's going for, you know, six forty nine. it's going for six seventy five, seven, seven hundred sometimes. Um, and, and these people are, are bidding over, but what is the value of the home? Right. You, yeah. you, you need to have appraisals. You need to have uh, the, the values comped, but can they keep up with it? And the reality of it is, is, you know, people are like, oh, it's unsustainable. It's going to crash. And, and I don't necessarily agree with that yeah. in certain areas, right? So as we're talking about, people are going to go where they want to be, right? So those neighborhoods, those towns, those regions of the country are going to continue to thrive because people are moving to those areas. Some of the other areas that people don't want to be in, they're going to they're going to have a little bit of uh, suffering um, and 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 readjustment. But when people talk about the the, the speed of the uh, appreciation in, in numbers, you know, and it's unsustainable, it it is, mm. and it will healthily you know balance out, but. I don't think some of the nicer communities are going to quote 
you know, correct or yeah. adjust or, or crash, which a lot of people love to use that word to get yeah. people fired up. The uh, bubble. They love to talk about the bubble. Yeah. I, oh, is it time to take a break? Or? I think it's time to take yeah. a break. Yeah. Uh, um, roughly. I, yeah. We'll, we'll take a break here in a second, but I'm, I, I agree with you. I have a, I certainly didn't envision this happening with the real estate market when COVID was, you know, first in our world. And um, yeah, totally didn't see that coming. But now that it's here, it's hard to imagine it going the other way. Anyway, right. we need to take a break. We're talking with Mark Stiles of Stiles Law right here in Marshfield. You're listening to McNamara on Money. We're just taking a quick break. We're talking about real estate, homeownership type stuff today. Don't tune, uh, don't tune out. We'll be right back. We're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Thanks for tuning in this morning. Happy weekend. Uh, I'm chatting this morning with my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed, uh, manning the studio and the phones this morning. Um, and we also have Mark Stiles with Stiles Law. Uh, I, I apologize, Mark. Your website does say Stiles Law at the top, but then the picture says Styles and Associates. Yeah. So there's huh. a disconnect there, but you have yeah. associates. So now we know you have associates. We're vintage. Yeah. We're vi- we've got the vintage name still on the wall. <laughs> That's right. You want you want to have a night a transition, right? You don't want to just right. go, you know, cold turkey. Yeah. True. We don't we don't want to act like we we just got here either, right? We've been yeah, around. Right. Right. Like old. We even have law books, I think, somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> In your library. Yeah, it's right, yeah. Be- right behind you there. Uh, exactly. You know, I was just thinking about, you know, and I know we're getting off a little, we're getting into uh, economics and things, but, you know, talking about these people, you know, buying these houses and bidding up prices and, and buy, you know, and how many people are buying things that maybe they can't afford because the numbers are getting stupid. And it's like, is this, are we creating another bubble down the road when people realize, oh, I can't afford this house. And then, yeah. In in certain situations, you're you're certainly creating tension and stress and anxiety, right? So one of the things I wanted to to talk about, and I saw um, in Alyssa's notes, pregame notes, is is the contingencies. And to stress to people that if you need a contingency, like John the caller, you know, if you need a contingency for a building permit, that needs to be outlined in the offer, right? If you need a mortgage, in order to buy the house, it needs to be outlined in the offer. If you need to sell a house, right? If you can't afford the difference between a uh, the loan amount and the appraised value, which we can get into a little bit because that's been kind of a hot topic, okay. then you can't sign an offer that's forcing you to waive those rights, right? So right. don't get in with a hope and a prayer because you may end up on Hope Island and you may be in a situation that, causes you to default right um so and 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 there i think there is something to that i i it seems to me that over the last several years banks have been a bit more lenient lenders have been a bit more lenient with regard to who they're lending money to and their criteria and how much they'll lend based on the value of the home and income and stuff like that. I've just started to notice that recently. And not to mention with the refinance boom, a lot of people taking equity out of their properties. And so that does scare me a little bit. And you know what you're talking about, Kirk, in terms of a little bit longer term, are we going to get into some problems like we had about, about what, 10, 12 years ago? 2008, right? Yeah. So. I mean, it, it should, it should get your antenna up. Right. It should make you pay attention because there are certain people, right, that it is going to affect. Right. There are certain jobs that are going away and they're not coming back. And there's certain areas that have a a high percentage of people that live 
in those areas that have risks in their future for jobs. Those economies, those markets, those regions are going to be affected. As for the loans, they're they're still r- really regulated um, ever since 2008. And I don't expect, and I don't want anyone to interpret um, my my opinions that there'll ever be another uh, 2008 with what we're dealing with now. There will be market corrections. There will be you know, suffering, there will be short sales, there will be a tremendous amount of foreclosures. That is all going to happen, but it'll be nothing like what we experienced in 08, 09, and 2010 because of exactly what you're saying. There was no regulation over the lending. There, there. You know, we, we talk about it. Um, I have a continuing education school for real estate agents, and we talk about this a lot with respect to the ninja loans, right? Back in 04, 05, 06, there was no income, no job, no asset. You could get a loan, you know, as long as you could breathe. And, you know, and I think I actually came on to this show back Mm -hmm. in 2008 talking about short sales and what they were and how to, how to exit with dignity in a really tumultuous situation and not be foreclosed, right? Uh, That is going to happen. But, you know, the, the, not, lending, to the ex- not to the extent we've seen before. No, yeah. no, because yeah. there is a check and balance. These lenders aren't just lending to anybody. You have to prove your documentation. You have to prove yeah. your income and your ability to pay. That's one of the things that came into play with the new regulations after the meltdown, right? So meltdown happens, everything crashes, government gets in, regulates, puts rules around it, and you have to have an ability to pay back. It sounds so ridiculous yeah. to even say that out loud, <laughs> but now there's a there's a box that you have to check. Do they have the ability to pay this back, right? Now, does history repeat itself? Will there be a loosening? Will there be... Um, some guidelines that are loosening up so that it creates an opportunity for home ownership. Yes, absolutely. And we need that. We actually desperately need that for some first time home buyers so that they can yeah. get into the market and have that fair opportunity to own a home, which will cost them a similar amount to what they might be renting right now. So yeah. you know, why not give them that ability to, to, to the home ownership? But will it slip to the point where Wall Street gets involved and starts chopping these up into, you know, collateral bond obligations yeah. and selling them off and and pushing out this product that I, I don't see that happening because even though history does re- tend to repeat itself, it repeats itself in different ways. Different ways. Yeah. We've seen a slightly different version of this movie before. Yeah, exactly. But, and just, we're totally getting off track, but this is really fun. I was, I've been thinking about like, and I've had some conversations recently with some first time home buyers, right? Millennials, right? People yeah. who do some things, right? And if you think about people in their late twenties and thirties, they, their experience with values of homes has only been appreciate, 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 right? Especially right now. And they're seeing crazy appreciation real estate values. So I've had a, I had a conversation with a millennial recently, very um, confident, um, single person um, making, I don't know, 70, maybe $75,000 a year with not much room to grow there and had been pre-approved or so she told me had been pre-approved for a $675,000 oh. mortgage. 
and was looking at these properties, you know, in the outskirts of Boston and just kind of like, you know, the attitude was no problem. I'll just like rent it, you know, no worries. It'll appreciate. I'm not worried about it. Just like kind of that's a little bit scary to me. And I, you know, kept trying to. Yeah, that's um, more of the big picture. But that that type of stuff is that's what makes me a little bit nervous. They they have not seen depreciating home values ever. And you know what? It happens. Well, except, you know, and it's and it's funny. It's funny you bring up the millennial um, because, you know, a lot of them see this as an unfair uh, market because what they saw was the pain of their parents. So there's the fear of that, right? So a lot of people, uh, a lot of the millennials were in high school, you know, early college or, you know, late middle school in 08, 09, when it was crashing and there was stress and anxiety. And then, you know, they're like, well, I'm not buying. And then it just keeps going up. And they're like, well, I'm definitely not buying now. I'm not buying now. And it's like, well, when are you going to get in? And would it be, just tragic if they quote bought on the top and then it crashed on them. Right. So, so I think there's a fear factor. I'm, I'm a little bit shocked that a $70,000 income is, is looking at that because that they're going to be house poor. Something like that. It was very close to that. And I was just like, Oh, I, yeah. Yeah. Because one of the things a lot of people don't factor in is all of the other expenses, right? A lender, you know, will qualify you based on, you know, uh, after tax, but what, you know, what the debt is, they're not really factoring in all of the ancillary. So, you know, yeah, you can afford it. You just might not be able to afford anything else. Yeah, Yeah. that's, that's what, that's what has always sort of upset me about that process is that, you know, Somebody, somebody might think because a lender says you can borrow this, that they can afford it. And they just right. kind of translate that in their minds that, that it's going to be okay. And the lender is not, they're not doing you any favors per se by giving you a higher number. Um, that, that could, yeah, that could certainly work against you because yeah, you gotta, you, you gotta eat, you gotta, yeah. you gotta pay for your car. Uh, you know, and it's like, and then it comes to the point where I, I can't do anything. And then, and, and then when I, you know, if I sit down with somebody and say, well, you know, I'm running the numbers and yeah, you're, you're kind of skirting by, but you're not saving anything. You know, you're not saving anything for retirement. You're not, you know, you have no cash in the bank and yeah, you're paying for your house, but, um, you know, and then if you try to have the conversation about, well, maybe you can't afford that house and, and nobody wants to hear that, you know, cause yeah. to, you know, well, the professionals can deliver that though. And the professional loans, loan officers that we work with, they go through a mortgage plan and they're going through those expenses and they're going through what you can afford, not what you can, you know, get approved by because it is important. And the reality of it is, is yeah. Okay. So this person wants to buy this property and they think it's going to appreciate forever. So who needs savings, right? I'll just, I'll just use my house as the, as the savings plan. But you know, two years down the road when things aren't that great and something happens, they're, they're going to look at that loan officer and say, why did you put me in this loan program? So a lot of the professionals, they're not going to put you in a situation that's going to do that. I'm, it's unfortunate that there are, you know, bad apples in every profession, right? So somebody's saying, you know, I'm going to win the deal by showing them what they want, right? They want this big, nice house. Unfortunately, even when they go out shopping, they're going to be like, I thought I could get more for this this money, but that's right that's, a whole, that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. Um, anyway, all right. Can we go back to contingencies, contingencies for a minute? I just, I want to be able to, 
because after the break, I want to be able to talk about ownership and bequesting of properties and things like that. Um, what are like, so are the normal contingencies that people used to have in their offers, are they like all being waived now because they have to in order for someone to actually purchase the property? Cause there's just so many offers. Like what's, you know, it's, it's a really interesting conversation and it's a really challenging place to be a real estate professional right now. Um, I, you know, I've been saying I, I really would not want to be an appraiser right now, but being a buyer agent is really, really hard right now too, because you want to put your best foot forward. You want to win the deal for the people, but you don't want to put them in a position that they're going to fail. Oh yeah. Right. So, you know, I'm, I, I stand up on a soapbox and I say that, you know, home inspections should not ever be waived. They should be, it should be, man, you know, and I'm not a big government regulator uh, proponent, but I think it should be a consumer protection um, mm. requirement that they have to do a home inspection and it, and there's, it's not waivable. That's the first one that gets waived every time, you know, here, look at me, I'm buying it as is, don't worry about it. I'll deal with it. And somebody who's sitting back thinking, oh, good, because I've got some defects yeah. in this house. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm glad they're not going to pick up on them, right? Because they didn't disclose them. You know, they weren't honorable and, and uh, transparent about what, what defects are in it. And there's a whole conversation about, you know, what needs to be um, represented and disclosed. And you could maybe be sued later if you don't. But you know, having a, you know, someone waives a home inspection, the one, the number one bonus for a seller is there's not going to be any after agreement renegotiation, right? Yeah. So a lot of people after a home inspection will say, hey, listen, the home inspector picked out this, this, and this, you know, it's a value of about $5,000. Maybe we'll do a, a concession or, you know, if you want to do the work, we can, we can negotiate that in and you can do the work without a, without a home inspection. There's, it's not there. So, you know, this imbalance of the seller market, right? The seller has the gold, the seller makes the rules, right? So the seller's dictating how this is going to go. And a lot of them are actually getting really cocky. And I want to, you know, I want to caution sellers because as this market starts to get healthier, you need to start to get real again. Um, but they're they're requiring people to waive home inspection, mortgage contingencies, appraisals, everything under the sun to win the deal. And, you know, I feel badly for these first time homebuyers who can't do that. Right. They yeah. can't possibly do that because they don't have cash to buy it. Right. So they're getting. So up until, you know, this weekend, again, I'm, I'm saying that this is such a pivotal weekend, but up until this point, it's been the cash buyers who are winning all of these bids because appraisal, I don't care. I'm not even going to do an appraisal. Yeah. I think it's worth that much money. I'm going to pay that much money and don't worry about a thing. Here's my bank statement showing you that I have the money. We'll see you in two yeah. weeks. Yeah. It's hard to, well, whatever, you know, whatever the seller wants. And that's the other thing we talked to our listing agent referral partners about is, you know, it's, it's all about terms, right? It might not be the highest dollar amount that wins, but it's the terms. Like, does your seller need to find a new home? Does the seller need more time? Does the seller need a contingency to find a new home? What, what buyer is going to be most flexible? It might be five or $10,000 less or even more but yet the terms are there that make it work, right? So, so at this point, now that, you know, I'm hoping that most of the cash buyers are starting to have 
uh, trickled out. They found all their places. They've won all the bids. They're the ones who got in early, right? In this in this cycle of the melt up, if you want to use another economic term. But as you continue to accelerate in the prices, now we have room for you know these first time home buyers. But I caution the agents to not waive things that they need, right? So you've got a first time home buyer that needs you know, uh, FHA financing or low down payment financing, you have to, you put your best foot forward, but your best foot might not be as good as the next person's foot, but you don't want to concede something to win the deal and then find out it's not going to work. And now we've lost deposits and, and a lot of time, you know, sometimes it's the slow and steady wins the race and maybe to be patient and wait a little bit. If if it's still this frenzy of cash buyers, um, maybe that first time home buyer needs to just kind of wait a little bit until there's there's more on the on the horizon for them. Yeah, having, having said that, those first time home buyers probably like, have been waiting, right, all these months and prices just keep going up and up. And those are people that probably can't afford, um, you know, that that uptick in in, in price. And that's really unfortunate. I don't know. I still know some cash buyers. I don't know if the cash buyers are all gone, Mark. Yeah. Well, maybe they'll lend to some of these first time home buyers because <laughs> yeah. the reality of it is, I mean, anytime there's an unhealthy economy, it's, it's unhealthy, it's unhealthy for everybody. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's inequitable and it's unsustainable. And hopefully, you know, we're, we're going to push out a lot more inventory and that uh, the, the competition starts to, to temper for these buyers and they have an opportunity to get in there and get that home and there's still room for appreciation, right? So, you know, we're talking about these communities that are going to be solid throughout, you know, if you could get in there, you know, you're, you're, you'll be okay. And the reality of it is, is one of the things that, um, that I've heard, you know, you you talked about it a little bit in code, you know, we talked about it with respect to the stock market, but one of my real estate investor clients, I, I buy investment property and, um, you know, on a, almost on a dollar cost averaging type of model with real estate. Um, but and I've made mistakes, right? So I've bought, I bought a property of four family in 2004 with the intent that it was going to be a short term, turn it into condominiums and go. And I held on to it. And then I stared down the barrel of 2008 mm-hmm. and my, you know, and I was sweating it. And my uh, real estate investor client said, listen, the beauty of real estate is any mistake that you make will be healed with time. And I think that's similar in, in yeah, your stock analysis, right? Similar in the stock market world. Yeah. And it's, I think it's an investor mindset is that, you know, if you, if you're in it for the long, right, then don't think about if you bought at the top, right? So yeah. buying your home, you know, and I see, you know, it's the biggest asset that you have, or it's, you know, your biggest investment to date. We, we, we like to refer to it. Um, but it's your home, yeah. right? It's, it's, it, 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 take it, take the investment mindset out of it, right? You're not earning anything from it. You're not collecting rent from it. This is, it's not an investment. It's your home. So who cares what you paid for it? You love it. You're going to be in there for a while on average, at least five years, <laughs> which is, which is funny. Um, but sure. most people are going to be in that home for a longer period of time. So they're going to see through a cycle. So even if it does quote, correct, it does quote, adjust. So what? Yeah. Right. So what? Right. It'll come back. Right. It'll stay yeah. always does just like the stock market. I'm going to, I'm going to steal that. Whatever yeah. mistake you make 
is healed with time. Is that what it was? Healed with time. Uh, yeah, that's very true. I always say time is your friend. Time is your friend. It really it is. The world of investing in anything. But, but people are impatient and they get anxious and then there's a pride factor to it. Right. So you're, you're in a neighborhood and, and you, you know, I remember this, you know, back in, you know, we bought our home in 03 and then people were continuing to buy in our neighborhood into 05 and 06 and they paid more. Right. But, and, and it bothered them, but it's like, you know, it's all about timing, right? You can't pick certain things. You can't, pick your parents. You can't pick when you find your significant other. It's all timing. And I can't stress enough that your home is your home. It's not an asset. And don't look at it as, I mean, it is an asset, but it's not an investment. And don't look at it that way. Look at it as your home. This is where you're creating memories. This is where you're raising families. This is where you're, you know, spending a lot of time. So yeah. You know, don't get bogged down on it. And if you love the house, buy it. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Yeah. People, I totally agree. I've always said similar things. Yeah. Um. All right. Anything else on like the current real estate market contingencies? I mean. I just had, I had a question for Mark about, um, yeah. you know, a, a, something about selling a house or buying a house that always kind of scared me. It was like the... Um, like Title Five and septic uh, systems, yeah. is is that stuff you know being affected by you know by these you know these fast moving sales or it, they shouldn't be yeah okay so so for example, you heard me say you know I wish that they would mandate home inspections. Well, Title Five's mandated, so the seller really doesn't have any wiggle room out of that. So, you know, if you have a septic system that fails. Yeah, you could force someone to buy it subject to that, but not many people would be willing to, you know, and we could go into a whole conversation about, you know, taking the property subject to the failed septic system and you have to bring it up to code within two years, but there's not a lender on the planet that will let their buyer do that. Okay. So again, a cash buyer buying it as is, you know, seller, you're, if you're selling it with a failed septic system, you're going to reduce your price, right? You're going to sell it at a discount so that that person could do it. Those are some of the things that won't ever get overlooked. Smoke detector certificates mandated by law. You're not going to waive your ability to uh, have working smoke and, and carbon monoxide detectors in your property. But, you know, home inspection, you know, it's a, it's a buyer beware, right? But, um, Again, I'm not a regulation proponent for the most part, but in this one, I would love to see some consumer protection around that. I just didn't know if things had gotten to that point where it was so crazy. People were just like, oh, you no, you pay, you pay for the uh, septic, uh, you know, if you want to buy the house. Yeah. No. And I, and again, I think we've hit that pinnacle too. So we've seen, so what we are seeing is, okay, you're, we're asking this much money, right? So we're talking, you know, we're, we're asking 549 and then 12 people come in and bid over 600. How do we know that you're going to be able to close at 600, right? Your, how do we know that your lender's appraisal will be sufficient to let the lender lend you that money based on the higher price? So what we're seeing is sellers saying, okay, we'll accept your offer at 625 so long as you know that 
it doesn't matter what your lender's appraisal comes in at, you're going to cover that that delta, that mm-hmm. differential. So a lot of people putting their best foot forward if they have the resources. Again, it's very important. If they don't have the resources, they should not be doing this. But if they have the resources, they're giving assurances, what we're calling appraisal gap coverage. We're referencing it as appraisal gap coverage. Yes, I have this extra $50,000 that will be used outside of my loan if the appraisal doesn't come in. Because the, what people need to understand is if you're doing an 80-20 loan, right? You're, you're borrowing 80% and you're putting in 20% of your own money. The bank, when they're doing that ratio, is going to use either the purchase price or the appraised value, whichever is less. So if you are buying a $600,000 home and the appraisal comes in at 550, the lender is going to look at that 550 to create your loan, right? So you're going to get 80% of 550. So what happens to that 50,000 between 550 and 600? Well, they're, the bank isn't saying you can't buy it. Yeah. But they're saying we're not going to lend on that value because we don't see the property at that value. We see it at 550. So if you want to buy it, you bring in your own 50. So sellers know this because listing agents know this. So buyers putting their best foot forward are being, you know, um, proactive and saying, you know, here we have this. We'll do this. And here's the proof that will do this. And that's something that we had never seen before. Do they, do the, do the lenders, um, do they care where that cash, that extra cash is coming from? Yeah, it's always gonna have to be, it's still gonna be documented and, and it's still their money, right? So they still need to be the borrower of that money, but they're only securitizing their loan based on what they believe to be the value of the property, not what yeah. you believe the value of the property is. And the, the funny thing about it is, is what's the definition of fair market value, right? If you go back to the law school books, it's not what the licensed appraiser says, right. you know, it's what right. a willing buyer is willing to buy it for with a willing seller willing to sell it. That's the fair market value. When the minds meet mm. together and say, this is the value. It's not what the appraiser says. The appraiser is scientifically helping the bank so that, you know, they can make sure that their loans are secure and and, um, and valid. So you need some check to that definition of willing buyer, willing seller. But yeah. but nonetheless, the people could still buy it if they want to. And if they feel like that's the value and that may be the value and that may be low next week or the week yeah. after. Right. And that must be happening left and right. Right. Yeah, it's value. really way lower yeah it's been really challenging it's really heady it's 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 been really hard on the real estate professionals yeah all right we just had to take a quick break we're talking uh with mark styles of styles law i'm Alyssa mcnamara reed you're listening to mcnamara on money we're talking about um your largest asset or one of your largest assets that being your home after the break we're going to talk about ownership pros and cons of ownership outright versus trust etc we're going to talk about protection and bequesting Stay with us. We'll be right back.